I'm putting love on the radio, spreading joy everywhere I go. There's no way to hide my hope. Oh, no, this little light of mine. Hey, I'm gonna let it shine. Telling the world to save my soul. The only way I know with love on the radio. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Ryan Young Show. I'm Ryan Young, live right now on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM or wherever you happen to be listening to podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, sometimes even on the YouTube and also on my Instagram page at Real Ryan M. Young. Great to have you join me on this Thursday. Hopefully you were able to check out the interview with Secretary of former Secretary of State and CIA Director Mike Pompeo on Tuesday. We had a wonderful conversation. Uh, be sure to check that out because I think it was impactful. Today we've got a lot of important stuff we're going to talk about as it is Veterans Day. We're going to get into that in a little bit. Plus, we have a testimony um, from a veteran named Brandon, and he's going to share his story uh, of what he underwent, and, and it's a powerful one. You don't want to miss that. We're covering a lot of stuff this morning focused on veterans. I'm Ryan Young, and this is The Ryan Young Show, live right now on Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM. Hey, guess what day it is? Oh, come on. I know you can hear me. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Leslie, guess what today is? Woo-hoo! So I told you it was Tuesday, and that means it's November 11th, 2021. It's Veterans Day, like I mentioned, and Veterans Day originally celebrated in Armistice Day. It was first issued on November 11th, 1919 by President Woodrow Wilson, a year after the end of World War One. And the purpose of the Armistice Day was to honor the fallen soldiers of the Great War for their sacrifice and for their bravery. Seven years later, though, in 1926, Congress adopted a resolution requesting that President Calvin Coolidge issue annual proclamations on November 11th, making Armistice Day a legal holiday. And then in 1945, World War II veteran Raymond Weeks had the idea to expand Armistice Day to celebrate all veterans rather than just the ones who died in World War I. He led a delegation to General Dwight Eisenhower, who was all for the idea, and Weeks then organized the first Veterans Day celebration in 1945 in Alabama and every year since until he died in 1985. In 1982, he was honored by President Ronald Reagan with the Presidential Citizenship Medal, and Weeks was also named the Father of Veterans Day by Elizabeth Dole. That's a little background story for today's holiday as Veterans Day, honoring all of the men and women who served this great country from all the different wars to everything currently as well. The sacrifices that they make each and every day to protect the freedoms and the values and really the founding principles of America. We are truly grateful right here on The Ryan Young Show on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. We're going to talk about some stories that are impacting veterans today and also um, current military men and women. We've talked about this before on the show, dealing with these vaccine mandates. Right now, we're seeing so many um, military people being forced into the decision of either are we going to have to get this vaccine or am I going to have to be discharged? And we've seen litigation taking place where we're having currently Navy SEALs suing all different military from all different backgrounds are suing the Biden administration over this deadline that they're trying to put in place of January 1st, where you have to get this vaccine or you are released, you are, are let go of and possibly even dishonorably discharged is a current thing that's taking 
taking place. We've we've heard stories already on the show where specific people have been fired for speaking out against the vaccine mandate. And I want to let you guys know that right now there's been a coalition of 10 states. They filed a lawsuit aimed at stopping the Biden administration's mandate ordering that all, not only military men and women, but also healthcare workers um, must receive this this vaccine. Um, and specifically, they're, they're looking at um, the order that healthcare workers at facilities that receive Medicare and Medicaid funding have to be fully vaccinated. Um, Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt is leading this charge on the lawsuit that was just filed yesterday. And, um, in this state, which states that the dictates recently issued by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, quote, imposes an unprecedented federal vaccine mandate on nearly every full-time employee, part-time employee, volunteer, and contractor working at a wide range of healthcare facilities receiving Medicaid or Medicare funding. They're speaking up the attorney generals of Alaska, Arkansas, Iowa, Kansas, New Hampshire, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Wyoming have all already joined the lawsuit challenging this mandate. And we'll see what takes place here. But more and more people are speaking up and standing up against this. It's not about whether or not you think the the vaccine is working or doesn't work. That's not the argument here. It's the argument that we should have the choice and the freedom to choose what goes into our own body, whether that be for religious or for medical reasons. And the reason why we have that standard is because that is what it means to truly be free in America, to have the individual liberty and the individual choice to say, hey, I'm not at a risk here. I'm I'm at this specific age. My likelihood of dying from the virus is at a 99.998%. And so I should be able to say that maybe the vaccine is a greater risk to me than getting COVID. What about the people that have already had COVID? And we've gone through this, but I wanted to recap it because it's an important thing going on right now. And it's going to impact you potentially when the Biden administration is trying to tell you and your employer that they have to get you vaccinated. And the way that the Biden administration is trying to enforce this new mandate when it it does take place fully is they've released the statement saying that it's going to be enforced, in fact, through snitching. So the, the employees that you work with, your boss that you work with, they will have the ability to report you if they believe that you are unvaccinated and breaking this illegal executive order. And so we'll see. But I want you to know that people are standing up and you got to keep the faith because we're standing up here. We've got businesses all across the country standing up. And you can stand up too. There's all sorts of lawsuits that you can check out. Just Google it. But I just saw right now uh, that the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary and Asbury Theological Seminary are now among the very first major Christian institutions to legally challenge the COVID-19 vaccine requirement issued by Biden. Uh, These are two Kentucky schools representing really the largest seminaries in the Southern Baptist and Methodist traditions, and they filed a petition Friday against this policy mandating employers with 100 or more workers require COVID-19 vaccination or weekly testing. Um, And that is what President Joe Biden announced last Thursday. So it's been a week now. I want to share this quote with you. This seminary must not be forced to stand in for the government in investigating the private health decisions of our faculty and employees in a matter involving legitimate religious concerns. That was Albert Moeller, the president of Southern Seminary in Louisville. We are glad to join with Asbury Theological Seminary in taking a stand against government coercion.
And that is a very, very great quote. But, but the phrase government coercion, that, that is exactly spot on in my economics class here at Hillsdale. We're talking a lot about uh, legalized plunder and coercion. And I want, I want to try to describe this to you. So legalized plunder is where you take money from some people to give to another. But coercion is where the government decides what's best for you. They take away individual liberty, individual responsibility, and without responsibility, you no longer will have that own that own ability to not only um, see what's taking place, but also to be held responsible for what's taking place. Now the government can coerce you, and, and they're truly not going to be held responsible for what takes place because you're the one that's being forced into doing it, and you ultimately will pay the consequence of it. And this is completely not constitutional and not anything that our founding fathers would have ever permitted. And there's all sorts of legalized plunder that are taking place right now. Things that you wouldn't even think that, wow, that is legalized plunder. But you wouldn't even think about it until you really took the class and and heard about it. And so I want to bring some of these things to your attention. In fact, many people don't realize, but Social Security is in in a major way a form of legalized plunder. Taking money from some to give to others. And yes, it's been beneficial for many, and yes, it's been doing this and that, but you have to realize whenever the government gets involved and begins to take away specific rights, they never, ever will give it back. When in history has the government taken a right away from you that you one day have gotten back? I'm trying to think. Perhaps when, it, when, it, when alcohol was outlawed. Okay, that, that's a good example. That's really the only one I'm thinking of, though. We don't want to allow the government to take away basic individual liberty, basic freedom. We cannot allow the government to coerce us. This will set new precedent going forward. When a new virus happens, when a new thing takes place, guess what? You are going to be forced and coerced into getting it. We're talking about places now that are not allowing you and your family to go to a restaurant, to go to the gym. In Los Angeles, they just passed a ridiculous law, and and this is what they get for passing and electing these leftist leaders that don't care about their freedom. But, But just so you're aware what's taking place in Los Angeles, you're not able, without showing proof of vaccination, to eat at a restaurant, to go to a grocery store, or anything. They're segregating the American people once again, and this time not based off race, not based off of gender, but based off of vaccination status. This is evil still. This is wrong, and there's a time to stand up, there's a time to be bold, and there's a time to fight back in the court systems. And that time is now. And I'm proud to see that not only are Attorney generals from several states across the country standing up, not only are governors standing up, but also seminary schools are standing up as well. Men and women of faith, leaders in the faith movement are speaking out, like we had Secretary Mike Pompeo talk about yesterday, on Tuesday. We need that. And, and I want to ask you, how can you make a difference right now, today, no matter who you are, to speak out for freedom, to stand up for the truth, for what the word of God says, what our founding documents say. Because you see, we all have an impact. You might say, well, I, I don't have like a, a platform or I, I, I only know a couple people at my workplace. Well, guess what? There is someone that you can talk to at any moment during any given day 
And he's the most powerful person to have ever walked the earth. And you have permission and access to the most powerful, biggest network, most prestigious, famous person ever. No, it's not President Joe Biden. No, it's not President Donald Trump. It's Jesus Christ. And no matter who you are, no matter what you do, you have access to him. And you can pray for our country and you can pray that these freedoms that are being trampled on right now, that God would come back and save us from this mess. You could pray that prayer or you could pray that God's will be done on this earth through the trials that we go through, through the valleys and the mountaintops, through the deserts and the rainforest, through it all, that God will keep us safe in a good peace of mind, really heavenly minded. That's my prayer. Because right now we're seeing so much taking place. Not only are we dealing with these unconstitutional mandates, which I know you're afraid of, I know you're worried about, I'm worried about it too. I know the Bible says we are not to worry or trust in God, and that's something that I struggle with sometimes. God understands. He loves us. Jesus was tempted with all of the same things that we're tempted with every day, yet he didn't sin. And so he knows. He cares. And now we're seeing right now that this inflation stuff is taking place in America at an unprecedented level. Right now, consumer prices just in October increased by a historic 6.2% over the year. It's the highest inflation jump in 30 years. It's frightening. According to data released by the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, Americans paid 0.9% more on daily goods and other items than they did in September. Along with shelter, used cars, trucks, new vehicles, the indexes for medical care, for household furnishing and operations, and for recreation have all increased in October. Not only that, these prices come, these rising prices, they come on the heels of a massive supply chain crisis, which is really fueled by the Biden administration's lack of action. We're aware of this. From the months of shutdowns, mandated by politicians, sacrificing economic stability and viability to, quote, keep you safe. Does it keep us safe? I'm in a rhetoric class right now, and we talk about the power of rhetoric and its original purpose. And we we talked about an ad that the government has been promoting. It's been promoting now for a couple of months. It's a video of all different types of people talking about, I got the vaccine and the vaccine gave me the freedom to be able to go and eat at a restaurant again. The vaccine gave me the freedom to take off my mask at certain places. The vaccine gave me this freedom. And it's really warped. This, This whole ad is really warped if you think about it. You're being coerced into taking a vaccine by the government in order to, quote, regain the freedom that they took from you.
See, th- there's a there's a thing that takes place sometimes when you become Christian and you're really involved in and keeping your faith and and trying not to worry and get caught up. Well, what takes place, at least in my personal life, is I'll find myself, well, you know, I look at the news, I sometimes get stressed out, and then I'll just say, you know what, I don't want to know. I don't want to stay involved in all of this because all it does is stress me out and freak me out. But what ends up happening then if I continue down that road is I'm not informed and I'm not able to speak about things or even have the ability to pray about things because I'm unaware. And so what I wish for you today is that you would not become consumed with fear or worry or stress, but that you would stay informed and that you would stay a prayerful warrior in this very, very, very dark time. And it doesn't have to be a dark time. More of us speak up, more of us as lights in our communities. We can, we can swing this pendulum back. I know we can. It should be encouraging that we're seeing so many people standing up against this. But right now in your day-to-day life, you're seeing the consequence of this leftist agenda. You're paying the price at the gas pump. You're paying it at the grocery store. You're seeing it everywhere. And you'll see it this Thanksgiving. And I know Thanksgiving is a special time where we get to spend time with our families it's possibly the only time where in some households these days, it's the only time where family gets together and actually has a meal at a table and says a prayer. So I understand the importance of Thanksgiving, but you're going to see the consequence of it. Poultry now has gone up 7.5% since last year. Ham, 7.6%. Beef steak, 24.2%. All the spices have gone up 5%. Rolls have gone up 5%. Crackers and bread have gone up 7.5%. Canned veggies, 6.6%. Potatoes, 1.7%. Coffee, 4.7%. Cakes and cupcakes, 6.7%. Apples, 6.7%. All of these have gone up in drastic amounts of prices, and you're going to see it when you just simply go shopping for Thanksgiving. And you're seeing it at the gas pump. Gas prices have gone up, if you can believe this, 49.6% since last year. Shocking. Computers have gone up 8.4%. Cars and trucks have gone up 26.4%, and then car and truck rentals have gone up 39.1%. You're seeing the consequence of this right now, folks. Don't forget it. You see, what will take place in 2022, right before that midterms, right before 2024 re-election, the whole thing, they're going to try to rebrand this all, the left. They're going to try to make it make a, a new image out of what took place, how they inherited a bad transition with the president, Donald Trump, and all of it. They're going to try to do it so that way you reelect them. I just ask that you pay attention, you be heavenly minded, and you stay well informed so you can be a bold, prayerful warrior today. I'm Ryan Young, and this is The Ryan Young Show, live right now on Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM. to myself somebody give me your microphone or a megaphone or a telephone you're gonna clap your hands gonna wanna dance good news got that old leg new got that joy coming through got me feeling all right 
good news story here every day on the show, and I pull stories from local communities all across the country and really all around the world. And today I realized, you know, sometimes when we talk about good news and everything, the most important good news that you need to know today is that Jesus loves you. It's as simple as that. Like I could, I could bring in a story about how uh, a young group of kids rescued a homeless person from this tragedy or how this person was blessed or, or everything. And th- those are powerful stories. Don't get me wrong. I love sharing them. But never yet have I on the Good News segment talked about how much Jesus loves you and how much you have the ability to enter the throne room of God and become his own child. You see, you are his child and he wants to cultivate a relationship with you. And he promises that if you turn your life to him and you confess that you are a sinner in desperate need of his mercies and his grace, he will forgive you of your sins and you will become saved. Never to worry about the consequence of hell and to live for all eternity with him in heaven. What better good news story could I possibly bring you? I don't think so. I don't think there's another one. John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. I'm Ryan Young, and this is The Ryan Young Show, live right now on Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM. We're coming back with a powerful testimony on this Veterans Day from a man named Brandon. You don't want to miss it. Everybody, welcome back to the Ryan Young Show. I'm Ryan Young, live right now on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM or wherever you're listening to podcasts. Every day on the show, if we don't have an interview in the second half, we like to share a powerful testimony from one of you, a listener that sends it in via the voice memos app on your phone. All you have to do is record it on your phone and share the story and then email it to me, ryoung at hillsdale.edu Young at hillsdale.edu and we've got one today from a veteran on veterans day it's a powerful story from a man named brandon take a listen you're going to get knocked down doesn't matter who you are doesn't matter what you do there's going to be something in your life that knocks you down that knocks the wind out of you that takes your feet from out from underneath you and you're going to fall but it's not what happens to you that determines who you are or what you're going to do. It's the manner in which you choose to react. I believe that everybody's blessed. You might not realize it, though. Once I graduated from high school, I went to college, and then I got a job as a detention officer later on. And I got really good training, but I knew I wanted more, so I decided to join the military. I went to several different recruiters. I went to the Navy recruiter, and then I went to the Air Force recruiter, 
and uh, I just felt like it fit, and they showed me what it was to be a military police officer in the Air Force, a security forces member, and uh, I knew that was for me. I knew that's what I wanted. I went to MAPS, I did all the training, I did all the tests, and uh, I, I told them straight up, this is the job that I want. And they told me that it was gonna be dangerous, that the likelihood of me deploying was absolutely 100%. I told them that I understood that. I explained that to my, uh, to my wife, and she understood how I felt about it. Uh, I worked the night shift, and then one night I get a phone call, and it was my supervisor saying, hey, I've got good news, I got bad news. So I said, well, what's the good news? He goes, well, the good news is, is that you don't have to come to work tonight. Well, what's the bad news? Well, the bad news is, is you have to report to supply tomorrow, 0700, and uh, get ready for three months of training, and then two weeks of maybe leave, and then you're going to deploy to Iraq. So we prepared for it, and I told her exactly what might or might not happen. I felt that, I just felt my gut that I needed to tell her what would happen if I got hurt and explain to her that if I, something were to happen to me, whether I got hurt or whether I got killed, that my commander, my first shirt, and my chaplain would come and pay her a visit. Usually if they got hurt, it's usually just the commander in the first shirt, but somebody would come to inform her of what was going on. October 16, 2006, that's the day that I got hurt. Uh, we were doing convoy security for a supply convoy that was coming through. There was a roadside bomb embedded into a curb. Uh, this particular IED, or improvised explosive device, was called an EFP, uh, Explosively Forced Projectile. A shaped charge lined with copper so that when it explodes, it liquefies the copper so that it goes through anything. It doesn't matter if your vehicle has an up-armored kit or, or what. Uh, these particular types of IEDs are the ones that usually kill people or dismember them. Um, primarily, they go through the bottom of the vehicle is when they're most lethal. This particular one uh, went off on the right side of the rear vehicle, which I was the gunner for. Only two-thirds of the explosive had gone off. They said if all of it had gone off, I wouldn't be here today. Um, majority of it went off on the rear end of the vehicle where I was located at. I was standing up. I had lost time for a few minutes. I remember the explosion. I remember seeing a small orange flash instantly being upset and angry because I was almost done with my tour. I only had a few months to go and I was going home. The next thing I knew, I woke up uh, laying down, looking up and seeing the tip of my ring finger basically detached, hanging by some skin looking at my right hand and seeing a hole in my glove and seeing some blood trickling out, but thinking that just something had got in there and scratched it really good. I looked at my left leg and it looked like somebody had fired a shotgun at close range. Um, I instantly knew that I was in trouble. Um, I didn't really feel the pain at first. Uh, I instantly began crying. I was upset and then I prayed. I prayed just so that God would allow me to get home and say goodbye to my family and just let them know how much I love them and just to die in the country that I was serving for is all I wanted. Um, my fellow service members did everything they could to save my life. There was an Army uh, Area Security Operations Unit that was nearby and saw the explosion and came to see if they could help. There's an Army medic that saved my life that I've never been able to thank, and I always extend a thank you to that man because he did save my life, even though he didn't believe that I was going to make it. 
I was choppered several different times to different medical units to get triage. I had a vein, I had a artery that was clipped in my right hand and uh, I had several uh, shrapnel injuries to my left leg along with the injury to my left ring finger. So they had a lot of work done and uh, I don't remember any of it and I was intubated for two days not knowing what happened to my wife within those two days. Whenever he was injured, um, I was in Las Vegas at home and um, got a phone call that I needed to come back home because um, the commander and the first sergeant were there waiting for me. And I knew that it was okay because the chaplain wasn't there. Um, so I'm really thankful that he prepared me for that part of it. Um, those two days that Brandon was intubated were the longest two days of my life, not knowing if I was ever going to see him again and not, um, not knowing what the rest of our life was going to look like. Um, but once they woke him up I and mean, we could talk on the phone, I knew that, you know, he was going to come home and everything was, we were just going to figure it out together. I felt very weak when I came home because I was weak. I was still healing from my injuries. I couldn't do a lot for myself. And as the head of a household, it's hard to, it's hard to accept. It's hard to swallow. Uh, but then she tells me that we're expecting and I'm overly excited and I couldn't believe it. And then I realized we still have a lot of chaos going around and now we're going to have this little baby. So I have to, I have to be as strong as I possibly can. I have to be the best that I can possibly be. And not just for the baby, but for Megan and for our daughter. And it was our miracle within the chaos that we needed. God sent us a miracle that he knew was not going to destroy our lives, but make us so much more stronger and keep us together. And that's what it did. And. I overcame more than I thought I could ever could. And we had our son, and I was ready, I was prepared. And though we still had a long journey to go, you know, God saw what we needed and provided it to us. We've received so much from organizations, from individuals, from families, that we really feel it's our responsibility now to pay it forward, to just give back what we've received not only from people, but from our Lord. He has blessed us, he has lifted us up. He gives you strength for each and every day. One of the things that we've learned through this is to not look forward to um, all the scary things in the road ahead because he can send you off on a path that you didn't even see coming before you even get to that scary road that you see. God has got you covered before you get there. You come to a crossroads. One road is beautiful. It's easy, it's paved. There's green grass, there's flowers on the sides, and you're lifted. You don't have to do a single thing. You just walk down the road. And at the end of that road, you turn around and you're nothing more than you were when you started. You haven't learned anything. You haven't gained anything. You are what you were when you began. And then the second option there is to stay at the crossroads to really not make a decision, to just sit there, to be stagnant, to never really know what you're going to do or how you're going to do it, and just sit there. 
And then there's the ugly road, the dark and stormy road. It's full of potholes, it's full of bumps, it's disgusting, it's nasty, and it's the one road you look at and go, that is definitely not the road for me. That's the whole point. That's what that road's there for. You have options. You can go down the nice road, you can stay stagnant. Or you can go down that really hard and terrible road in which it completely and totally changes who you are. But isn't that the point? Isn't that what God wants for us? Is to become more than what we were when we started. A beautiful, beautiful testimony from Brandon and his wife. I want to thank them both for sharing that with us. They made some excellent points in there about the road that you choose, the trials that you go through, and how we are able to trust in God to get through it. I mean, we, we heard the story of Brandon dealt with a, a horrendous tragedy serving our country, lost his leg, his wife at home worried if he's going to come back, his children, and how God was able to know exactly what they needed to get through this trial, providing them a baby girl, uniting the family again in finding a miracle and a joy in the midst of the pain. And Brandon described that bumpy, frightening-looking road, the narrow road with rocks and bumps and, and turns and twists. And then he talked about that paved road that looks like it's going off into the sunset. He doesn't sugarcoat it. The Christian life isn't easy. There's going to be trials of many kinds. There's going to be persecution. There's going to be bumps. There's going to be bruises. But at the end of those road, those two roads are two very, very different things. The, the earthly road leads to death, despair, destruction, and eternal separation from Jesus. The heavenly road that might seem a little bit more daunting leads to peace, joy, love, and everlasting life with Jesus. Which road are you going to choose? Brandon explained it. You have a choice. And so today on this Veterans Day, I want to thank all the veterans that are serving in this country, that have served this country. Those that have been gone through those bumpy roads lost limbs, sacrificed their lives. And I also want to thank the family members, the mothers, the wives, the children, the fathers, the husbands, for their sacrifice too, because it's, it truly is a family sacrifice. Not knowing if you're going to see your dad or your mom, not knowing if your spouse is going to return, if your child He's going to come back to give you another hug. Thank you for your sacrifice. I'm Ryan Young, and this is The Ryan Young Show, live right now on Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM. In all of our questions, all of our searching, when we are wrestling, you don't let go. The questions come. 
So I was looking into articles and stuff, and I try to check out all sorts of different Christian news sites because I want to bring you some some news that you're not going to hear on the mainstream media. And this story that I want to share here actually was was what inspired the question of the day. And the question of the day is revolving around the death penalty, whether or not that is something that a Christian should support or should not support. I'm not going to, in, in the minutes, we're not going to be able to solve this huge debate. What I want to do is prevent, present some scripture on both sides and try to present both arguments to it to allow you to make your own personal decision about what you believe scripture says and and really what, what a Christian ought to believe. But the, the story I want to share with you, a man by the name of John Ramirez, 37 years old, he um, was convicted uh, and, and was sentenced to murder, uh, well, to the execution, to the death penalty for murdering a 46-year-old convenience store worker in Corpus Christi. This was now, has now been delayed by the Supreme Court um, due to a hearing of the merits of whether or not he should be allowed to have his pastor lay hands and make vocal prayers as he receives his lethal injection for murdering this man. It's been delayed now quite a bit of time. Um, and, and what's taking place is the reason why it's delayed is because state officials aren't allowing his pastor or anyone to make vocal prayers or lay hands on him um, while he receives his injection. And so right now, Supreme Court is looking into whether or not uh, this is a legitimate claim, whether or not that this man, John Ramirez, does in fact have the sincerity of a Christian faith to to request this. Um, during the hearing so far, Justice Clarence Thomas and several of his colleagues have raised questions about Ramirez's faith um, and, and wonder whether or not it's just um, being used to um, delay his, his execution. Um, Thomas said, quote, if we think that Mr. Ramirez has changed his request a number of times and has filed last minute complaints, if we assume that's some indication of gaming the system, what should we do with that with respect to assessing the sincerity of his beliefs? Um, this case shows that he stabbed uh, Castro 29 times during a robbery in 2004, um, and he only ended up stealing $1.25 after that. Um, he fled to Mexico and was arrested three and a half years later and sentenced to death. Regardless of this individual case, this was the story that got brought to my attention. I personally believe that he should have the ability for a pastor to lay hands and to to engage in vocal prayer. I think all people should be allowed that, especially those that are going under lethal injection. I don't see the point in delaying a case for this personally. I don't understand why it's gotten held up in the Supreme Court. It seems like a simple enough thing that if he needs to have prayer while he's he's being uh, sentenced to death, that should be obviously granted under the, the Constitution and the ability for everyone to practice their faith. And I don't think the sincerity of his faith should ever be called into question. That's my personal opinion. But then again, I'm not on the Supreme Court. And that's not the question that we're trying to assess today. The question we're trying to assess is whether or not biblically he should be sentenced to death or shouldn't be. And I want to share some arguments here. Genesis 9-6 says, quote, whoever sheds the blood of man by man shall be, shall his blood be shed for the image of God has God has made, has been made God made. This is part of the larger covenant that God made with Noah after the flood. It reflects the great value of human life, but also gives the reason for that value. Man is made in God's image. So the argument that a lot of Christians make that are pro-death penalty say that Genesis states it very clearly that man is made in the image of God. And therefore, if, if they take 
if they kill another person, they're, they're killing the image of God and they deserve, based off of Mosaic law, to, um, to pay the consequence of that sin. They also argue that um, as the law as given to Moses ordained execution for several offenses, including murder, not accidental killings, but they included striking or cursing a parent, kidnapping, adultery, incest, bestiality, sodomy, rape, and so forth, witchcraft, all of these things, the law of Moses states should have the death penalty. And so they can point to this too. But I, the question obviously that comes around is, well, there's no death penalty for committing adultery in our current system. There's no death penalty for stealing. So that, that comes in. Then the, the other argument for pro-death penalty Christians is that while no death, while new, no New Testament passage expressly mandates capital punishment, several imply its appropriateness. For example, they point to Romans 13, 1 through 7. Paul calls his readers to submit to the authority of civil government reminding that them that if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. Um, and, and its ultimate use, the word sword, implies execution there. Um, and now let, let's talk a little bit about the opposite side. We don't have that much time remaining, but I want to get some thoughts flowing in your head, some verses for you to think about when it comes to whether or not the death penalty should be supported by Christians. Uh, some some scripture passage that, that point to prohibiting capital punishment specifically argument two, um, and this is probably the most significant one. Christ's death on the cross ended the requirement for blood recompense and blood sacrifice. The sacrifice of Jesus, the Lamb of God, replaced the sacrifice of animals. His death also made it unnecessary to execute murderers to maintain human dignity and value because the crucifixion forever established human value. Hebrews 9, 14 says, how much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our conscience from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? And then argument one um, states simply that Christ teaches forgiveness and the willingness to suffer evil rather than resist it by force. Um, This might not be as definitive on the issue of the state's authority to execute but it does demonstrate a different approach to responding to evil than the established one. Um, Christ's example in, in not demanding death for the adulteress supports this argument in John 8, and that's where they point, that he did not demand death for the adulteress, but rather he said, you who have not sinned can throw the first stone. And so uh, really the argument between the Old Testament and the New Testament and where you should come based off of all of these different things um, I think these are some, some, some pretty strong cases made here for both sides. Genesis 9-6 says, individuals guilty of manslaughter accidentally causing another's death were exempted from the death penalty. And there's another interesting point. And, and it goes forward. No matter where you stand on the issue, though, obviously we believe that justice should be served. And, and those that commit heinous crimes, ask yourself this, they will technically be sentenced to a death penalty. And that is eternal death eternal damnation and separation from God for those that have not confessed and sought forgiveness. And so the question is, are you in the position to, to have the choice to say that not only should they, they have eternal separation from God, but they should also be earthly um, uh, sentenced to death in that manner as well? Just thoughts for you to think about. Big questions here on the Ryan Young Show. I try to bring them to you because these are questions that people always are wrestling with. And, and I don't know. I, I think that you you have a lot of thoughts about these issues. And, and at the end of the day, seek the word of God. Look at what the Bible says. And that is where you will ultimately find the true source of information.
I'm Ryan Young, and this has been The Ryan Young Show, live right now on Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM. I'll see you next Tuesday. Have a beautiful and a blessed day. We've got a powerful interview coming up Tuesday. You don't want to miss it with Jason Miller, the CEO of Gitter and the former Trump advisor. Don't miss it.